previous two weeks, I started this series called Words, and we're talking about the importance of the words that we speak in our everyday life. We saw that God created everything that he did by the spoken word. He, cre- he spoke things into existence. Then we saw from Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, that God says, I place before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he says, oh, that you may choose life so that you and your descendants or you and your seed may live. So we know God is all powerful. We know God is all knowing. We know that God has the right to do whatever he wants to do. And we as human beings or anything in the created order, there is no such thing uh, uh, as a being that can, uh, you know, stand before God and question what he does. And yet God decides in his infinite wisdoms to come and give man the opportunity to choose the kind of life that he or she wants to live. So he says life and death, blessing and cursing are before you and you choose what you want and whatever you choose will be established unto you. And so in Proverbs 18.21, we also saw that death and life are in the power of the, come on, the power of the tongue. And so in Deuteronomy, he says you choose life. And in in Proverbs, we, we get to understand that we can choose life by the words that we speak. And so when we understand that, we, it also becomes very apparent that as a Christian, it is very important to pay attention to the words that we are speaking on a daily basis. Not just words that we speak when we are praying, not just words that we speak when we are in the, uh, uh, surrounded by a, a particular group of people like, you know, okay, I'm surrounded by Christians, so let me talk in, in, in the right way. I'm, I'm in church, so let me talk a particular way. But then once you leave the church, once you are uh, uh, in your your house, in the, uh, uh, on the job, in the college campus, uh, then you start changing the words that you speak. And, and we understand that you cannot, you know, say, uh, uh, speak a certain way in one situation and try to speak a certain way in a different situation and still think that, that, that you will have an effect when you're speaking good things and not have an effect when you're speaking negative things. So in other words, every single time we speak, there are things that are happening in the spirit realm, whether you understand it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you realize it or not, it is still the truth. Amen. So John chapter six and verse 63, we saw 63 and 64. Maybe let's, uh, let's quickly go there. John six Verses 63 and 64 says, It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. So Jesus is preaching The people are listening, they're watching him, and he says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But then he quickly goes on to say, but there are some of you who do not believe what I'm telling you. You see, even though you can be, that means you can be in the presence of Jesus, you can be in the meeting where Jesus is speaking, you can hear the words that he is speaking, and yet run away or move away out of that place without letting his words have an impact on your life. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verses 2, if you turn your Bibles there, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2 says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard, 
did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So there are two groups of people. The word was preached to both groups of people, but it did not profit one group. Why? Because it was not mixed with faith. Right? That's why I often say, it is a good thing to come to church, but it is not the best thing. Because you can come to church and leave the same way that you came in. But the best thing is you coming to church and then receiving the word of God. That's the best thing. Because a lot of people just come and go just like a lot of people were present in the meetings where Jesus was preaching. But just because you were in the meeting does not mean you will receive the best from that meeting. Are you understanding that? So how you receive the word, how you mix faith with the word that you receive plays a vital role in how that word impacts and changes the course of your life. Amen? So when we know that all the things that we have understood, all the things that we know regarding the word of God, the things that we know regarding the authority, the power that has been given to us and, 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 and in the things that we declare, if we simply think of those things as, well, that's a good idea. Well, that's an interesting point. That's really interesting what Jesus said. That's really interesting what pastor said last week or this week. And if you just stop there... It's not really going to have an impact. But if you receive what Jesus said and if you mix it with faith, then we're going to see changes taking place in our life. So today what I want to do is I want to give you a bunch of scripture and I want you to write down these, make a note of these scriptures and I want you to meditate on these scriptures over and over and over and over again. And after you do that, then I want you to go back and meditate on it a little more over and over and over and over again until it becomes part of who you are. Are you understanding that? And so that you are very conscious of every single word that proceeds out of your Mouth. Let's go to Psalm um, 141. Psalm 141 and verse 3. It says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Now, what are doors used for? Letting people in or letting things out, right? And so he says, The door of my Lips. In other words, what, what, what the psalmist is saying is the words that you speak are going to determine what comes into your life and what goes out of your life. Are you understanding that? So you, the words that you decide to speak will determine what comes into your life and what goes out of your life. Psalm 39 and verse 1 says, Psalm 39 and verse 1, I said, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. Lest I sin with my tongue. Not with my hands, not with my feet, but he says, lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. Now, when, when, when David is writing this and when he says, while the wicked are before me, he's not just talking about flesh and blood. He's just not talking about people that are wicked in the flesh, in, in, in the earth realm. What he is talking about, please understand, the spirit realm is present everywhere. Just like there are, this room, is, there, there are angels in this room, it's just that you cannot see. See, the angelic and the demonic are always present. 
And so he says, I will make sure that I don't speak in the presence of the wicked ones. Meaning that because if you speak certain things, you authorize either the angelic or the demonic to start acting on your behalf. So what he says is, I'll, I'll read that uh, uh, verse again. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. Why? Because just like we've seen in, in previous uh, uh, messages, when you speak, angels are waiting on your words that you declare. Why? So that they can bring the word of God to pass in your life. At the same time, when you agree, when you speak the word of God, what is happening? You're agreeing with the word of God. When you agree with the word of God, what happens? Angelic uh, uh, forces go and bring those things to pass. But if you speak things that are uh, opposing the word of God, that are the opposite of the word of God, now you are enabling, now you are authorizing the demonic realm to do what they need to do in order to bring the, the, the will of the enemy into your life. You are opening up ways for the for the kingdom of darkness to come into your life are you are you seeing that amen all right well let's look at another scripture proverbs chapter 30 and verse 32 proverbs 30 and verse 32 it says if you have been foolish in exalting yourself or if you have devised evil put your hand on your mouth in other words shut up Right? He says, if you have been exalting yourself, the best thing to do is keep your mouth shut. If you've been devising evil plans, the best thing for you to do is keep your mouth shut. Let's look at another scripture. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 39. Sorry, 29. Ephesians 4 and verse 29. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers again so he says let no corrupt uh, uh, um, word proceed out of your mouth but what is good and necessary edification that means whenever you speak you're either building people up or you're tearing people down you're either blessing them or you're either cursing them are you understanding that? So we've got to understand that words are carriers in a very real sense. You see, even when we uh, uh, look at this uh, scripture in Romans 10, 17, and the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. People have a, uh, sometimes people say, how is that really possible? You know, I keep hearing the word of God and I don't get anything, Pastor. It's not like my, my faith isn't increasing. I, I'm not able to really believe in God or the things that are promised in the word. Well, well, think about it in the negative realm. See, have you ever gotten a phone call uh, uh, where somebody had to tell you some bad news? Anybody got that call? All right, so you got the call and, and maybe it was uh, about a loved one being admitted in the hospital. Maybe someone was in an accident. Maybe someone lost a job. Maybe uh, uh, someone was thinking they're getting married and, and, and all of a sudden everything went south and, and they were not able to get married. Whatever the case may be, you got some bad news. What happened when you heard those words? Did joy come into your heart? No. Did faith come into your heart? No. What came in? Fear. Doubt, unbelief, sadness, depression, restlessness, anxiety. How did they come? Nobody gave you a gift package and you didn't open it up and take them in. They came by the words that you heard. 
See, the incident happened before you heard it. But when the incident happened, you didn't have fear. When did you have fear? Only when you heard it. Why? Because those words that were being spoken to you were carrying something. They were not carrying faith, but they were carrying fear. Why? Because those were the words that were opposing the word of God. Every single time you hear words that oppose the word of God, you get the opposite of what God wants in your life. So rather than getting faith, you get fear. So in the same way here, he says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary uh, um, uh, for necessary edification, that it may impart, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So again, the words that you speak are imparting certain things. What are you saying to your spouse? What are you saying to your children? What are you saying to the people that you work with? Every single time you speak, you're imparting certain things into the lives of the hearers that are listening to your words. Look at Job chapter 6. Job chapter 6 and verse 23 and 24. It says, oh, deliver me from the enemy's hand. Oh, redeem me from the hand of the oppressors. Look at verse 24. Teach me and I will hold my tongue. Teach me and I will hold my tongue. Cause me to understand wherein I have erred. Now, everyone knows the story of Job. And we often or many people often uh, uh, blame God or place the responsibility on God for everything that Job lost. And yet we see that Job now says, teach me and I will hold my tongue. Why is Job having to say, teach me and I will hold my tongue? I'll tell you why. Because he realizes by now that he was saying certain things that went crosswise to the word of God and to the covenant that God had with Job. See, the things that Job lost were not a result of God's plan and will for Job's life. See, the, when, when uh, uh, Job said, you know, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, that is recorded in the Bible, but that's not the will of the Father. Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord, when he was at the lowest point of his life. So out of that experience, he says, oh, the Lord gives, oh, the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, blessed be the name of the Lord, that's very good. What Job was good at is making sure that he never cursed God like his wife and all the people that he was surrounded with. So he never cursed God, but he always said, blessed be the name of, uh, name of the Lord. But what he also understood is that the things that happened in his life were not because God wanted it to happen, but because of certain ways he erred in his life. That's why he says, teach me and I will hold my tongue. Why does he have to hold his tongue? Because he did not hold it before. Remember what he said. He said, that which I have greatly feared has come upon me. That which I greatly feared. Remember, if you read Job chapter 1, you see him that this man was the wealthiest man. And then he would give sacrifices unto God daily. And he would give sacrifices on a, uh, uh, on a regular basis for his children. Now, why did he do that? Not because he had faith for them, but fear for their lives. The Bible says that he was afraid that they're going in wicked ways. And so every single uh, uh, opportunity that he had, he would wake up, 
and he would give a sacrifice. He would wake up and give a sacrifice, not for himself, but for his children. Now, the Bible says that anything that is done without faith is sin. Please understand, faith connects you to the kingdom of God and to the things of God. Fear connects you to the kingdom of the enemy and the things of the enemy. Faith connects you to God, fear connects you to the enemy. And so he was bringing a sacrifice unto God, but he was always doing it out of fear. He was not doing it out of a thankful heart. He was not doing it out of faith for his life and for his family, but he was doing it out of fear, hoping that nothing bad will happen. But then he says, that which I greatly feared. Greatly feared. Which means what? What was in abundance in his heart? Fear of his children being destroyed was in abundance. Now the Bible also says that whatever is in abundance in your heart dictates the words that come out of your mouth. So even though Job does not necessarily say that he said certain negative things, I can take it for granted based on what Job said that because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks and in abundance what Job had was fear regarding his children. So he spoke certain things that went crosswise against the word of God and that's why he says, now he says, teach me. He doesn't say, teach me Lord how to fight the enemy. He doesn't say, teach me Lord how to please you. He doesn't say any of those things. He simply says, teach me and I will hold my tongue because Cause me to understand where I have erred. Again, meaning he knew that he erred in his words, in his tongue, in the words that he spoke. And so now he's asking God, Lord, teach me so that I'll keep a watch over my tongue. Now let's go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 and verse, starting from verse 21. A well-known passage of scripture for many of you, but I, I pray that... Uh, this will speak to us tonight and, and, and we'll get what we need to out of this. Mark chapter 5 and starting from verse 21. It says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again to, um, by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Now, throughout this passage, I want you to pay attention to the words that are being spoken by various people in this passage. Verse says, so Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. So we understand this uh, situation. Jesus is coming to minister and then the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, comes and basically makes a request and lets him know the situation. My daughter is at the point of death, but he says, if you come and lay your hands on her, she will live and she will not die. And so in verse 25, it says, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I may only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. So two different people. Jairus said something. The woman with the issue of blood said another thing. Jairus said, my daughter is at the point of death, 
But if you come and touch, I know she will live and that she will not die. I know she will be made well. On the other side, we see the woman with the issue of blood. She says, if I only touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be made whole. All right? Now, it says immediately, verse uh, um, 29, immediately the fountain of blood, of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, so we understand this entire scenario. But during this entire scenario, I want you to think and I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Jairus. Jairus came to Jesus at a very crucial moment of his life. He's about to uh, uh, see his, uh, by every natural uh, um, report, he's about to see his daughter die. So in a desperate moment, he runs to Jesus and he says, please come, lay your hands and she will be made well. And, and he is now excited and he's happy that Jesus actually starts walking in the direction of his home. He says, let's go and let's take care of this. So Jesus is walking. While they're walking, we don't know how, how soon this happens, maybe five minutes, maybe 10 minutes or 15 minutes into this journey. But then Jesus stops. There's a commotion. There, there are so many people gathered around him. And the question that Jesus has is, who touched me? Now, this is one of those questions that the disciples, you know, a type of question the disciples are tired of hearing. Because Jesus often asks questions of the disciples they don't have a proper answer to. So he says, who touched me? And they're thinking, what is wrong with this man? Like everyone is touching him. The people are thronging him. And he says, who touched me? But he says, the, the way a person touched me is different because the Bible says power or virtue went out of his body. Now, while they're waiting, the woman receives her healing, but she's afraid. We don't know how long it took for her to actually muster up the strength and the courage to come before him and then say that she was the one who actually touched him. Now, once she starts speaking, the Bible says that she began to tell him, the Bible says the whole truth in verse 33. Now, when it says the whole truth, that means she did not start her testimony since what happened that morning. If she's telling him the whole truth, she is starting her testimony from 12 years ago. So she is conveying to Jesus everything that took place for in the last 12 years. And while this is happening, Jairus is standing there. Do you think Jairus cares anything about what this woman has to say? He could care less about what she has to say. Who is he thinking about? His daughter. All he is thinking about in that moment is his daughter. And so, Jesus knows that, but Jesus is also talking to this woman. And in verse 30, 
Let's look at verse uh, 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 35. It says, while he was still speaking, some came from the rulers, ruler of the synagogue's house and sa- who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble any, for, why trouble the teacher any further? So he's talking to this woman. Jairus is probably pretty close and somebody else is speaking to Jairus and Jesus overhears what is being said to Jairus. And the Bible says in verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Now think about this. While he was still speaking, so he was in the middle of a conversation with this woman, but he stops immediately and starts addressing Jairus. Why does he do that? It's not because Jesus is a rude person. So he's having a good conversation. I mean, he stopped the entire procession to talk with her. So he cares for her. He cares for what he, she has to tell him. So he's really listening to her. But at the same time, when he hears something different, when he heard what Jairus heard, he knew the importance of stopping what was taking place. And immediately he turns his attention to Jairus and he says, do not be afraid. Why did he say do not be afraid? Because the natural course of action to be was afraid when he heard those words. Jesus knew that the words that he heard carried something. They carried fear. They carried doubt. And so the first thing that he does is, wait a minute, don't be afraid. Only believe. Believe what? Believe what you spoke last. What was the last thing Jairus said? You touch my daughter. You lay hands on my daughter and she will be made well. Don't be afraid based on what you heard. Only believe what you said. That's what he really meant. Don't be afraid based on what you heard. Only believe what you said. And then the Bible says, and he permitted, uh, 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 sorry, and he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and uh, those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. The child is not dead but sleeping. Look at what the next verse says. It says, and they ridiculed him. And they ridiculed him. Pay attention to this. If Jesus was ridiculed for speaking the truth, guess what? You and I will be ridiculed as well. Don't be surprised when somebody ridicules you. Don't be surprised when you make your confessions and someone thinks, you know, you're you're crazy about this. Don't be surprised. You still do what God told you to do. Amen. And so it says, but when he had put them all outside, he took the father and mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. And now this is an important principle as well. He says, but when he put them all outside, some of us, we have to put certain people outside our lives. See, sometimes when you're trying to make sure that the word of God is established in your life, sometimes when you're trying to make sure certain changes begin to uh, happen in your life, you can't take every single person along with you. 
on that journey. You can't force them to believe God for you and with you. Your faith is your faith. Their faith is their faith. If you're really concerned about someone, pray for them. Whenever the doors open, whenever they're willing to listen, speak the word. Encourage them. But you cannot force your faith upon anyone else. So he says, and that's why even in the Old Testament, when God told Abraham, what did he say? He said, leave your entire family and go to the land that I show you. Now, even though he said, leave everyone, he didn't leave everyone. Who did he take with him? He took Lot with him. Now, when he took Lot, was, was it a benefit for his life because he took Lot with him? No. See, God's plan was that he doesn't take anyone. But he wanted to take someone with him. And so it's important for us to understand as well that there are certain times in our life that we ought to uh, be sensitive to the people that we need to continue uh, uh, taking forward in our lives and those we need to leave behind. In verse 41, it says, Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talita kumi, which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose, walked for she was 12 years of age and they were overcome with great amazement. Amen. Now think about this. The Bible starts off by saying in this particular passage that the woman with the issue of blood heard about Jesus. As a result of her hearing about Jesus, you know, faith filled her heart and then she began to say something out of her mouth. What did she say? She said, if I might only touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And guess what happened? That is what God established in her life. All right, that's why Job, uh, we saw last time, Job says, whatever you decide and decree shall be established unto you. Whatever you decide and decree. You see, the, the woman with the issue of blood, she never heard about someone else touching the hem of uh, 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 the garment and, and them getting well. But what she heard was that there's a miracle working, worker walking around in those regions. That what she heard was that he would heal anyone that would go to him in faith. What she heard was that he was not a, 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 a judgmental like the rest of the Sadducees and Pharisees based on the law. But, he, but, but that he was giving grace to anyone that would come into his, uh, into his uh, uh, life. And so when she heard that over and over and over again, then faith filled her heart. Now, please understand, in that time, according to the law of the old covenant, a woman with the issue of blood walking out into public could be by law stoned to death. So you have to understand how much she believed that she will be made whole by touching the hem of his garment. That's how much she believed. That's how much faith was filled in her heart. And as a result, she spoke. And that is exactly what happened in her life. Now, on the other side, Jairus, he says, you come lay your hands. Because he said, you come lay your hands. That's exactly what Jesus agreed with. Jesus did not have to carry the girl in her hands or touch her in order to heal her. All he, could, all he needed to do was speak the word and it would have happened. But Jairus said, if you come and lay your hands on her, she will be made well. And guess what happened? So therefore he came, laid his hands, and she was made well. Before he could say anything crosswise to what he previously said, Jesus made sure, he said, 
Don't be afraid, only believe. Are you understanding that? You see, the words that you speak out of your mouth are establishing things in your life. Very quickly, let's go to the book of uh, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17 at this time. And uh, um, I would encourage you to start reading from verse 26, but just for the sake of time, I'll, I'll uh, um, uh, start reading from, um, or let me read verse uh, 26. It's really good. It says, then David spoke to, to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and um, takes away the reproach uh, from Israel? For, he, uh, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that, that he should defy the armies of the living God? Let's just jump down to verse uh, 28. It says, Now Elab, the oldest uh, brother, heard what when he spoke to the men, and Elab's anger... Uh, Eliab's anger was aroused against David and he said, why did you come down here and with whom have you left the few sheep in the wilderness? Again, verse 29, and David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned uh, from him toward another and he said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Again, um, Verse 33 says, Saul said to David, now he's before uh, King Saul, and it says, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. Now verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took the lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb out of its mouth. Now, just think about this. David was a 16-year-old boy when he's saying these things. A 16-year-old boy is standing before his king. And he says, don't worry about anything. I'm going to fight this man for you. And so Saul, just like any person would think, wait a minute. No, no, no. You're too young. You don't understand. You're too young. This guy on the other side has been waging wars and has been fighting battles since the time you were born. So there's, it, there's no comparison. We cannot even send you for this battle. So, so David starts saying, no, 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 you don't understand, uh, uh, king. When, when I was keeping my father's sheep, a lion and a bear came and took the lamb out of the flock. Look at this, verse 35. I went after it. See, that, that, that's why it is all up to what you decide you want to get from God. See, there are certain Christians where, where the testimony will be, a lion came while, while I was taking care of the sheep and, and I hid behind the rock and God protected me. Glory be to God. That's a testimony. And there's another testimony. I was taking care of the sheep. The lion came. It started taking one of my lambs. So here's what I did. I chased the lion down. I chased the lion down. I struck it and I took my sheep back from the lion. Both testimonies, both serving the same God. You get to pick which one you want to be. You get to pick which one you want to be. It's the same faith. It's the same God. You choose. Do you want to be the person that says, God protected me behind this rock? Or do you want to be the person that says, no, I went after the lion. I killed the lion. I took my sheep back. 
See, then he goes on to say, I went, uh, um, uh, struck it, um, um, all right, verse 35, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And then when it arose against me, so this is not something that he did from the back while the lion wasn't watching him or something, quickly took a stone and put it, uh, struck it on its head and it died. No, that's not what happened. He took the lamb and then it said, and when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. A 16-year-old boy is talking. Then it goes on to say, Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine." He will deliver me. That's what David is saying. That's what David is speaking. So again, for the sake of time, let's just go, uh, uh, go all the way to verse 40. It says, then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and he put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had uh, um, and his sling was in the hand and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came, uh, verse 43 it says, so the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your, uh, give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Verse 45, look at what David has to say now. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Please get this. Please get this. Please get this. What he says about the enemy is, you come to me with a sword, with a javelin, all things that are in the natural. Pay attention to what he does not say. He does not say, you come to me with a sword, a javelin, and a spear, and I come to you with five smooth stones and a sling. That's not what he said. What was David going with? He was going with a sling. He was going with five smooth stones. But you don't see him mentioning those things. He says, you're coming to me with spears. So he's talking about his weapons are in the natural. Remember what the word says. For our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty through God in pulling down strongholds. So what's happening? So the enemy is coming in the flesh, but he says, but I come to you. In the name of the Lord of hosts. You see, in the natural, what they could see was the five smooth stones and the sling. What they could not see is the name of the Lord that David was carrying. He, they could not see the covenant-keeping God of David. So in the same way, you need to understand, when you go to your job interview, what they see is your resume, but you're not going with your resume. What they see is your medical report, but you're not standing with your medical report. What you see and what you hear is what people say, but that's not what you are truly standing with. So David is marching. He is running towards the giant. He says, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. 
See, for, for David, it is not about the, 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 the height of the giant. It is not about the weapons of the giant. It is not about any of those things. I truly believe, even if David never killed the lion, even if David never killed the bear up to that point, he would have still fought this battle. You see, because to me, the lion and the bear did not have anything to do with this. Because to me, David was going in the name of the Lord. So even if David was a person that never fought a battle, I believed when he saw the giant, he would have said, I'm going to fight this guy. Because the only thing David was concerned about was, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that stands against the armies of the living God? See, when David said, what, you know, what's the prize for winning this battle? The people said, well, you get to marry the king's daughter and you, you, you know, no taxes for the rest of your life. And a lot of times we think, okay, that motivated him and probably did as a 16 year old boy thinking, okay, I get to marry the king's daughter. That's good enough motivation. But truly, I don't think he really cared for the woman, for, for, for the king's daughter. Because every single time he opened his mouth. The only thing that he says is, is there not a cause? Is there not a God living in the nation of Israel? How can an uncircumcised Philistine stand against the armies of the living God? How is it that not a single person is standing up and fighting for the God of Israel? That's all his concern was. So, so even when his own brothers were showing disdain towards him, his own brother, look at what his elder brother said. Who did you leave the... Few sheep. He, he just didn't say sheep. He said few sheep. You're saying, man, aren't you the shepherd guy? Taking care of a few sheep? Out in the wilderness where nobody watches? Where nobody... Who told you to even come here? Stop being arrogant. And David says, no, no, no. I didn't come for myself. I didn't even come for my family. To be really honest, he didn't even come for the nation. He didn't come for the king. He didn't come for the king's daughter. He didn't come so that he wouldn't have to pay taxes. He simply fought because there was somebody standing against God. Standing against God. Here's the thing that you and I have to understand. Every single time... There are things that happen in your life that don't line up with the word of God. That has to be your attitude. Your attitude should be, this is not just about you. This is about God's word not being established in your life. This is about God's word not being established in your family. This is about God's word and his promises not being established in your finances, in your health, in your career, in your the life of your children, whatever the case may be. It is about the forces of darkness stopping the word of God coming to pass in your life. And you need to be able to stand up in your life and say, is there not a cause? And if there is a cause, then you better start saying something about it. Not just praying for a few minutes every week, but you better start saying something about it. Then it goes on to say, uh, uh, verse, um, uh, um, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. See, that, that was the problem for David. 
It wasn't about anything else. The problem was you're defying God. And I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to let that happen. So verse 46 says, this day. Everyone say this day. You see, while this camp, while this whole thing was going on, this was not something that just started on that particular day. There were days that the camp was waiting on someone who would stand up and say, I will fight Goliath. There was nobody. So every day it was passing, 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 and passing. Nobody stepping up. Now when David comes, he says, this day. This is going to be the day. He says, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Again, he... He doesn't say anything about people knowing that he's a great warrior. He doesn't say anything about today we will know that I will get the victory for the nation of Israel. It had nothing to do with him. His only concern was there's a God who is alive. There is a God that should not be and cannot be defied in my life. See, when you come to that kind of understanding... And when you, there has to be a certain agitation. There has to be a holy anger. There has to be a holy frustration that comes in your life when you see the work of the enemy happening in your life. And you've got to stand up and say, is there not a cause? And the answer is there is a cause. In that moment, you stand up and you declare the word of God and you declare the things that need to take place in your life. And so he says, this day, will deliver this day I will cut open your head and I'll tear it apart and give it to the beasts of the beasts of the field look at verse 47 then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands so every single moment you've got to understand you getting the job is not just about you you getting the promotion is not just about you you getting the business idea you getting the raise you getting uh, uh, married you having children you you seeing your children being su- successful all of that is to glorify God through your life. It's not just about you experiencing certain things for you and your four pe- uh, 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 the, the four people in your family. It's about the world knowing that you worship a God that is alive. Hallelujah. Look at verse uh, uh, Psalm, Psalm 89 and verse 34. And I'll start closing with this. Psalm 89 and verse 34 says, My covenant I will not break nor alter the word that has gone out of my Lips, which means God is saying, once I have spoken something, I am not going to alter it. Once I have spoken something, you can build your life upon it. You can base your life upon it. You can have faith for the things that I have said and I have declared over your life. Now, Joshua chapter 18 and verse 3 says, Then Joshua said to the children of Israel, How long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you. How long are you going to neglect this? Which means it's not that God is holding back. He says that God has promised your fathers. 
He's given you this land, but Joshua says, how long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? You see, what's true of the Old Testament and is true of the New Testament is, whatever God gives to us has to be received by faith. Has to be received by faith. So they had to believe that God gave them the land and they had to march in and take and possess the land that was given to them. In the same way, in our lives, we have to understand the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. God has given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, but we've got to take them. Take them by faith. Grace gives, faith takes. Faith takes. Without faith, you cannot receive the promises of God in your life. And so one of the ways you receive the promises of God is by declaring the word of God over your life. Is by declaring and agreeing with the word of God. That's why in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, it says, Whosoever says to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will come to pass, he will have whatsoever he says. So again, that's very important. Believes those things which he says will come to pass. It's not just about believing in God. Do you believe the things that you are saying will come to pass? Because if you believe the things that you are saying will come to pass, guess what? They will come to pass. So the woman suffered for 12 long years, but one thing that she believed, if I might just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And guess what? She touched and she was made whole. Jairus said, if you just lay your hands on my daughter, I know she's at the point of death. But if you lay your hands, I know she will be made well. And guess what? That's what God established in his life. And therefore, Jesus lays his hands on her and she was made well. She lived and she did not die. David fighting against Goliath. A 16-year-old boy going against a veteran. He goes and he says, You come to me with a spear, with a javelin. But I come to you. In the name of the Lord of hosts. And he says, this day, Goliath. I know you've been thinking, when's the day coming? I'm telling you, Goliath, this day. See, some of you need to decide when that this day is going to be. See, some of us, we pray and we say, yeah, someday. 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 And guess what? It is going to be someday. So Joshua says, how long? You decide how long. Don't say God's going to decide how long. No, no, no. You decide how long. Because God's already done it. All the promises are yes and amen. So you decide how long. So David said, I'm not going to wait another day. Israel doesn't have to wait another day. So this day. See, when you draw that line and say, enough is enough, I'm going to take what God has given me. I'm going to possess the land. And you start declaring those things out of your mouth, those things will be established in your life. Amen? Amen.